Hello, I'm Nadia Al-Samri. Welcome to my show. Today I'm speaking with Charlie Kimball, IndyCar race driver with type 1 diabetes. It's been nine years since we spoke last. I'm happy to see that you're still doing what you love. Back in 2011, you had been diagnosed with diabetes for four years. I came to Sonoma, watched you race, check your blood sugar with a CGM on your dashboard. For the people who don't know much about the Indy car race, where does a driver start in their racing career? And what's the ultimate goal? Which trophy is a driver reaching for? Well, for me and for a lot of drivers within IndyCar, uh, we start in go-kart. Uh, we start racing some at, as young as five, six, seven years old. I started racing oh. go-karts at the age of nine. And, and just like in a lot of other sports, uh, baseball comes to mind. There's a ladder series. You start in Little League and work your way up through high school and college, minor leagues, up towards the major leagues. Uh, racing is very similar. There is a, a ladder series that as you climb that ladder, the cars that you're racing get faster, the crowds get bigger, uh, that sort of thing. And, and within, within racing and within IndyCar uh, here in North America, the ultimate goal is the IndyCar Series and the Indianapolis 500. Uh, the Indy 500 is the single largest one-day attended sporting event in the world. There are typically 300 plus thousand people there every single year on Memorial Day Sunday. Um, So as you talk about the trophy that an IndyCar driver is striving and reaching for, um, it's been recognized as one of the greatest sports trophies in all of the world. Uh, It's the Borg Warner. And one of the special things about the Borg Warner is even when you win the Indy 500, uh, you don't get to keep the Borg Warner because it's one of a kind. Uh, it is about six feet tall, made completely solid sterling silver. Wow. And when you win, they engrave uh, or they, they put a relief of your face on the trophy along with your year uh, and average uh, speed to, to win the race. Well, that's exciting. And and then does the it's, person... It's pretty neat. Yeah, and if, and if the person, say, the, the following year... So who, who holds the trophy, just out of curiosity? The driver doesn't, but the, the honor is getting engraved. Is that correct? Correct. And the driver receives what's called a, a baby Borg. Um, so a miniature replica that's, I think, about six or eight inches tall um, to go on your trophy case, in your trophy case on your shelf. Right. Um, <laughs> and the, the trophy itself almost has some of the same mystique that Lord Stanley Lord Stanley's Cup does for the NHL in that the IndyCar series holds it. Um, there are a couple of people that travel with it exclusively. They carry it, uh, roll it around with white uh, microfiber gloves um, to get it where it needs to go. And in fact, a few years ago, was the first year that it had, first time in the over 100-year history of the Indianapolis 500 that it had ever gone to Japan. Um, Takuma Sato, a a driver of Japanese heritage, uh, won the race, I think, I want to say in 2017. And as part of his victory tour over the summer, 
he flew with the Borg Warner and a couple of representatives from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Hall of Fame Museum to Japan and to Honda headquarters, he won with Honda Power, uh, to show off the Borg Warner in Japan. Oh, that's very exciting, for sure. Um, So you must be, in terms of diabetes, you must be really delighted with all the medical device advancements with Bluetooth connectivity. Tell us how your diabetes management has changed since then. When When I saw you last, you had diabetes for four years, so you had a certain way of managing your diabetes. In the last nine years, so much in terms of medical devices and medications have evolved. So what's how have you changed with that? Well, I think that's part of being an athlete, being a competitor, and being a a person with type 1 is continuing to evolve my treatment protocols and my management. Um, and I think as a driver, I continue to evolve on the racetrack. But within my health, um, I'm currently using uh, both Traceva and NCS. Um, you know, when we met in 2011, I'm trying to remember, but I was probably on Levamir and Novolog at the time. I believe um, so. And so as, okay, so that, that makes sense that as uh, the science has evolved of, of insulin and medications, then my treatment has evolved as well. You know, I work very closely with my healthcare team. I, I'm a huge proponent that Diabetes is a team sport. It takes a full team to successfully manage diabetes. And it comes down to medical professionals, for sure. My endocrinologist, Dr. Peters, her diabetes educator, Donna, working with a nutritionist, my exercise physiologist, integrating them. But it's also my team at home. It's, It's my wife. It's my parents, my sister, my friends that when I'm having a hard day or I'm burned out, they're the ones that support me and help me and encourage me. Um, even people within the diabetes community mm-hmm. that are the people that understand what I, what I go through every day and sometimes reaching out to them and just talking through challenges I faced or how things have just gone really well for the last couple of weeks um, is I think that's an important part of management that doesn't always get talked about. Um, Like I said, I think managing diabetes is a team sport and working within that team to continue to ask questions about what insulins are available, what injection methodologies are out there, um, how, how things work for me. If I'm having problems, if, if I have an issue with my CGM and, and connectivity, is someone else face that and overcome that? I think that that dialogue is really important to keep getting better. Well, I agree. I think families are a really important component. Uh, my former husband's a type 1 of 44 years and doesn't have any diabetes complications. And we're really good friends. And I was meeting with him recently. We were talking about blood sugars. And he said, don't you remember, and, you know, we got married in our late 20s. Uh, He said, don't you remember every time my blood sugar was high? He said, don't worry, it's going to come down. And it really made a difference. And I said, I really said that? (laughs) He's like, like, yeah, and it helped. So I really, it's interesting because even for me, I, you know, having these conversations, you forget that how important your family is. Um, Because it's really easy. They are that 
they're that first line of support. Yes. When, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes, and I definitely feel badly that my wife has to, gets to deal with my uh, mood swings that are associated with my blood sugar swings sometimes. And the uh, beeping of my, my Dexcom G6 on my bedside table in the middle of the night, uh, those sorts of things, I feel badly that when she's trying to sleep, and especially at the moment she's pregnant and we're uh, sort of trying to make sure she gets plenty of rest, and sometimes, especially if I'm hovering around an alarm blood sugar and I'm above it and then blow it above it and blow it, uh, it doesn't always wake me up because I, I hear it, I understand my blood sugar is okay, I'm, I'm right around that that alarm number and I'm fine, but it definitely wakes her up. I feel badly about that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, um, you know, as you were saying, family is really important, but also diabetes is a family disease. You know, everyone learns to participate. I know for me, when I got involved with my former husband, I, I was really impressed the way he managed his diabetes. He really was proactive. He wasn't embarrassed about it. And he, the way he modeled it was the way I expected everyone to be. And then later when I started working in the industry, I, I realized that not everyone's like that. So modeling that and having the support and having your family support you, you know, rather than publicly shaming you, for example, some people write me and say, hey, you know, I, I dated someone and they tested their blood sugar at the table. You know, isn't that, you know, improper? And it was like, I said, no, it's not. <laughs> so, so I think that's... Um, and, and the, I think... To me, that's one of the great things about having worked with the Race with Insulin program for the last 12 years is being able to bring diabetes into the light a little bit to, to kind of remove some of those stigmas that people talk about. Um, and I can't remember who it was, but it was a, another Novo Nordisk patient ambassador, and he was talking about how his his grandmother had diabetes and and they didn't talk about it. They said, oh, she, she's got the sugar and just kind of, it was, it was just kind of ignored or almost minimized. And now the conversation around diabetes has changed. Part of it is the growth of the, the community, both right. type ones, type twos. Um, and access also. also. About, right. Access and communication. I think social media, podcasts, blogs, online interactions have, have really allowed the conversation within the diabetes community to, to remove that stigma, to, to make it more of an interactive dialogue with all of the stakeholders within the, the, mm. the disease state, from you know, medication companies to healthcare professionals to patients to advocates, to ambassadors, there's there's this great continuing to grow as well synergy about the conversation and, and the future. Um, and that's something that, you know, being involved with Nova Nordisk and being a part of the Race with Insulin program since my rookie year uh, in IndyCar in 2011, in fact, a couple of years before that, has been a lot of fun to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And does the new team that you're racing with, is this something that they're learning about also or taking it upon themselves? Do they know the difference between type one and type two? Or do you feel a responsibility to educate them? What's, what's that like? 
Well, it's funny you say a responsibility to educate. I think I see it as an opportunity to educate um, the new team. For me, it's really exciting on a professional level to race for somebody like A.J. Foyt. Um, A.J. Foyt's history within IndyCar racing, within the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and and racing in general, uh, as a driver, he's won all over the world in some of the most iconic races out there. in fact, was the first four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, and that's pretty rarefied air. I mean, he has his face on the Borg Warner Trophy four times. Wow, that's I think impressive. He qualified for the Indianapolis 500 in, in five different decades. And you, you talk about that and how challenging it is to just make the Indy 500. Mm-hmm. Not only did he make it in five different decades, but then he went on to win it four times. So... His history as a driver is it permeates the whole team and the culture of the team. So being able to to learn from him and and work with their team and and be in the car at every IndyCar race this year uh, is pretty exciting. I think it's it's early days within my awareness and education campaign within the the race team, uh, but there are a couple of team members, mechanics, and team managers that I've worked with. Uh, at previous race teams. So they're pretty aware and they're really excited to to continue to learn and and learn about the Race with Influence program and what that means at the racetrack. Let, let me ask you, with the um, Dexcom G6, you have the ability of having other people know what your blood sugars are when you're driving. Is that something you share with your wife when you're racing and your coach and... Who, how do you how do you handle that? Who who gets to see your doctor? Who gets to see where your blood sugars are when you're racing? Well, uh, I'm actually going to answer when I'm not in the race car first. Uh, I share my Dexcom G6 readings with my wife, um, and I think Dr. Peters is on my share list as well. I think she she follows pretty much all of her patients. I don't quite know how her app or her phone handles it, um, but she's an amazing person like that and. So when I'm traveling and speaking or on the road and Kathleen's at home with our daughter, uh, her being able to check on my blood sugar is, uh, I think it gives her a lot of confidence and, and that added safety net, right? There's right. another person keeping an eye out. And, and a lot of times, especially when I'm in a hotel by myself and I'll get a low blood sugar alert or whatnot, um, just about the time that I'm you know, drinking a bottle of orange juice or having a chocolate milk, I'll get a text or a phone call. Hey, have you, you're getting sugar. Are you good? Question mark. Oh, uh, so it, it's a way, not, a, not only that it gives her confidence, but I also know I've got someone keeping an eye on me as well. And, and it doesn't happen very often, but right. it's nice to have it and not need it rather than need it and not have it. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, but in the race car, it, it's a little different um, because I'm a big advocate that texting and driving or having your phone while driving is a bad idea. Uh, having your phone and driving it over 220 miles an hour is an even worse idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually use the Dexcom G6 receiver, um, so I don't use my phone as a blood glucose readout. I use the receiver itself. And we worked with uh, some electronics engineers within IndyCar 
uh, and were able to integrate. So originally, I think back in 2011, my Dexcom was mounted on my steering wheel through the high-tech science of Velcro. Yes, it uh, was. And now, that re- <laughs> that's right, so that receiver is now integrated with the car's data system. So not only does the race car charge my receiver for me, but I'm able to see my blood glucose right on my steering wheel, right on my electronic dash. So in front of me, I have speed, lap time, oil pressure, blood sugar, water temperature, <laughs> my car and my body data right there together. And you, you mentioned, who do I share that with? And the neat thing about the, that data being in the car system is it's sent via telemetry radio back to the timing stand in pit lane with all the engineers. Uh, so the engineers and mechanics that are watching the computer screen, making sure that the car is running right, mm-hmm. can keep an eye on it and make sure that my body's running right as well. And, and if my wife's there, she, she can keep an eye on it. Um, if, you know, my, my personal manager's there, they can keep an eye on it. Whoever sort of has an extra set of eyes. Um, and that's part of where that education within the race team comes in because they need to know what numbers are outside normal parameters. Mm-hmm. And back then you used to, used to have two bottles in the car. One was, um, like, uh, uh, a glucose liquid and one was water. So do you still do that or? Correct. Uh, used to I have- do, yeah. yeah. And in fact, the, I think back in 2011, the valve we used was kind of big and clunky and it was mounted on the side of the car. And it, it, we had basically, you know, two drink bags, one with water and one with a, a glucose rich fluid, as you said. We used, we used orange juice with extra sugar in it. So it's pretty, dense as far as uh, carbohydrate to uh, volume. So I don't have to drink a whole lot of volume to to get the impact into my blood glucose. Um, But since then, my dad, who's a mechanical engineer and designed race cars, he designed a a valve for me. um, And we got it 3D printed in plastic and it now, now right on my seatbelt. And from the seatbelt, that hose that runs into my helmet is pretty close to four or six fluid ounces. Mm -hmm. So it gives me kind of a rough measure of how many carbs I'm drinking based on when I switch the valve from water, which is what I normally drink, to that glucose fluid, which I've never, never actually needed in the car to keep going um, because of my diabetes. How do you prepare in terms of like, what do you eat before a race or do you not eat much because of the speed that you're going and could make you feel nauseous? Tell us what, what's, what's that like? I don't think I could not eat before a race. Uh, the, one of the challenges with driving an IndyCar is we don't have power steering. Uh, we don't have power brakes. And a 500-mile race can be three, three and a half hours long. So just like the mechanics prepare the race car and, and fuel the race car, I need to make sure that I'm fueling my body as well. Um, so my pre-race meal typically consists, it's not particularly exciting. And by the end of the season, it's not particularly tasty. But um, <laughs> most, my meals during a race weekend are a plain grilled chicken breast, uh, plain white pasta with a little olive oil on it, 
um, some salad and some fruit. And it's all weighed and measured out. Um, and I'm not sure I could, without remembering and digging back through some of the, the research and notes, I'm not sure I could nail down uh, how many calories are in that meal. But I know that it's it's about 40, I want to say 40 to 70 grams of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will take insulin for that with the idea that I take a little less than I would if I wasn't in the race car. Um, now, is that the night before? Because on a normal day. I'm sorry, is the meal? No, that's typically um, on, on the day itself. Okay. Uh, so, so if the race is at two o'clock in the afternoon, I'll usually eat lunch at 11, 1130. Mm-hmm. Um, when I eat those carbs and that, that lunchtime meal pre-race, I'll take some insulin and, and I'll reduce it by about 20, 25%. I'll, I'll kind of undershoot, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, on my insulin dose. Because I'm aiming for my blood sugar to be a little higher than I would on a normal day. If, if I was a day when I was in the office or traveling, you know, I, I aim to be a great uh, patient with diabetes. And my blood sugar is 90 to 125 all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and if you ask me, I will tell you that almost with a straight face. <laughs> but in the, in the race car, I want to have a safety net. Um, if my blood sugar is too high, then I lose some concentration, some focus. Um, I, I notice some vision issues when when my blood sugar is north of, of 220, 240. Um, the, my reaction time is slow. And I don't want to be too low either. Right. I think that's one of the unique challenges of diabetes is you're not aiming to stay above a certain number or stay under a certain number. You have to stay in the middle of the road. Um, and so between my exercise physiologist, Dr. Peters and experience, we've taken all of that CGM data from the race car and put it into a regression analysis with um, competitiveness on the track, the type of racetrack, the G loads, weather, pit stop time, um, and looked at finishing position, starting position, average lap time, and distilled it all down. And for me, my performance-wise, my ideal blood sugar is really that 150 to 175 uh, milligrams per deciliter number. Um, And I know that's kind of getting into the weeds a little bit about what my blood sugar is and how I manage it in a race car. Um, but I think it's a, a good example that you can figure out how to make it work, make diabetes management work based on whatever it is you're doing in life, if that's driving a race car or something else. Right. Well, it's, it's very impressive, uh, Charlie, what you do and uh, the way you manage it. And you really have a, a very nice disposition in terms of your diabetes and um, sharing your thoughts and being inspirational to other people. I appreciate that. It's, it's very fulfilling. I never thought that I would have the opportunity um, because of what I did in life as far as sitting down at work and wearing a helmet to the, to my office uh, that I would get the opportunity to meet so many people and, and hopefully inspire at least one person through what 
what I do at, at work. And, and frankly, I think it's made me a better athlete because of my diabetes rather than despite it. Because I listen to my body more than I ever have. And when I have a bad day at the office, being out there and competing is is a victory for so many people within the diabetes community. It's true. Very true. Not letting it stop you, not letting it define you and doing what you really love. Well, thank 100%. you. Thank you for joining us. I wish you a successful 2020 racing season. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to, to being in the number four car all year long. Um, the first race, middle of March down in St. Pete, Florida, and then building up to our uh, crown jewel event, the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500 Memorial Day Sunday, uh, live on NBC this year at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Well, we're going to follow you, see how you're doing, and root for you. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Race With Insulin as well. Great. We will definitely do that. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. 